I thank you for uh, the ability to make new friends, and I know I've come to the right church when the guitar player wears. Uh, it's not Liverpool. No, it wasn't. It is Liverpool. It was. That's when you know you come to the right church. I love you guys. What a great place. This is like. This is like if you really want to be confident about the presence of God in the service. This is it. Thank you so much. I mean that now anything can happen. Hey, amazing. Hey, you can take a seat. Thank you so much for for that introduction. What a weekend and what a conference it has been. And I thank you for bringing me here, but I can assure you that I, and I don't say this just because you're the guest speaker and you have to say this, I have really profited from being here, at least as much as you have. I mean, if, if I came here only for me, uh, it was worth it because I made so many notes. And you have inspired me in so many ways. Where's Stephen, the light guy? I mean, I had to record him yesterday. And I had to ask him if I could use, you know, the recording, I, I videotaped him, if I could use that for training our tech guys at home and show this is how you worship when you do the technical stuff. Because <laughs> he does like... <laughs> He's like all over the place. It's amazing, I love it. Well, some of the guys at home, they think that if you're technical, you have to... So Stephen, thank you so much for training our Norwegian tech guys. I love that. Amazing. I'm Pastor Paul Genie. You're the best. Nathan, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, really, really honored to be here. Now, uh, I'm going to get straight into the message. Because I have um, something, uh, an advice that I can help you if you're looking for any excuse to get away from any responsibility. I'm glad you understood the irony. At least some people did. I'm, I think I'm out of shape. I was tired of that. I mean, how uh, he must be fit, the light guy, uh, Stephen, because I'm like catching my breath here. <laughs> that was too much for me. Don't tell my wife. Okay, so there's an effective method that will help you to get away from any challenge. Even in preaching, you know, maybe you hear something that's stretching and challenging and, you know, pushing your faith. Here's, here's a tip. Here's a way you can avoid any kind of challenge in your life. And you can use it. Um, it will release you from any need of change. It will, and actually, pe most people, modern people, will approve of you with this method. They will accept your excuse. Are you ready to hear it? Whatever you hear, whatever challenge you receive, you can simply say, mm, it's just not quite me. <laughs> Works every time. It's just not quite me. Or you can say, I'm just not that guy. So if I encourage you about something, if I say, for example, we could go into worship afterwards, and I say, hey, let's lean in, let's lift our hands, let's, you know, really be in the presence of God and worship. You can say, yeah, but being passionate is just not quite me. And you're out. Now that's all I had. Thank you so much for that. No, no. no, there's more. Uh, share the faith with other people. Preach the gospel or, or just to testify, you know, to get, share the gospel with your friends or classmates or whatever. You can say, yeah, that's all good, but it's not quite me 
Or I could say, I'm glad you didn't say amen. I was afraid someone was going to think I was serious about this. But uh, if I say, after conference to take responsibility, maybe take another team task or do ministry, you can say, well, that's simply not quite me. To give generously, weekly or monthly in church, you know, on a regular basis, well, it's nice, but it's just not quite me. You can get away with anything. Now, in our nation, we could say that about church, a lot of things. Well, that's not quite Norwegian. Building a large church, it's just not quite Norwegian. I am so glad that we never built a Norwegian church. We built a kingdom church. And that's quite kingdom-like. And you understand where I'm going with this. You know, my parents' generation, they bought, or they, long story, I will not tell the story now, but our building is an amazing miracle. And now the, the you know, the local government, or the, what you call it, the municipality, or the, the area, when they need any, you know, building for something large, they can only go to the church. We're the only one with a big enough building. <laughs> so they have to ask us. And they do. And it's a good cooperation. But you know, that's not quite Norwegian. What's quite Norwegian? Quiet, small, slow. But we are not Norwegian, are we? We are kingdom people. I think the same applies to you. You see, um, when I was young, some good people in church, they, said, they told me, God has put something over your life, they said. God has laid something over your life. And I didn't quite understand, you know, what they me meant. Uh, I don't know if this works in English, but there's Norwegian expression saying, uh, you have something in your belly. It means that, let's say you have a potential for something, they would say, you have that in your belly. So some people told me, hey Thomas, I think you have a pastor in your belly. And I, as a 17 year old, I, I, I thought that sounded disgusting. <laughs> Having a pastor in my belly? I don't even know, I'm not even sure I want a pastor in my life. No, not in my belly anyway. But I sort of understood a little bit what they meant. Because they said kind of, God wants to do something with you. There is something over you. But in the idea of doing what I do today, for years, maybe I didn't use these exact words. But that was my absolute conviction. That's just not me. It's just not me. Well... Today's text is from when God calls Moses and God puts something over his life. Let's read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10 and first part of verse 12. This is when God is calling Moses to be the deliverer for Israel out of Egypt. So God says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, it's just not quite me. Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. Now, there's a long conversation between Moses and God. And we, we jump to chapter 4 and verse 10. And Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken with your servant, to your servants. I am slow of speech and tongue. So speaking... Freedom and deliverance for whole people is just not quite me. It's a brilliant 
response from, from Moses because he can get away with it, you would think. It's just not me. You know, he says, I'm not a speaker. This is a true story. I don't know how it is over here, but in Norway, that's what every speaker says at the beginning in a wedding speech. Every wedding I attend, there's an uncle has a speech and the grandmother has a speech. Everybody starts, well, <laughs> I'm not really a speaker. And then they go for 20 minutes. <laughs> is it the same here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not true that they are speakers. You know, listen to this. And this verse is, for me, it's, it, it just gives me goosebumps. Then the Lord said to, back to Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Who gave human beings their mouths? I'm not sure what you would put into that sentence today. It's just not me to do this. It's just not me to lean into that. It's just not me to believe for something like this. It's just not me to think big. It's just not me to, to be obedient in a thing like that. But you know what God says? Who gave human beings their mouth? There is an enormous weight when God deposits into something into you. So I have the guts to call today's message. Just don't be yourself. Don't just be yourself. Because what God deposits into you is bigger than what you feel. Now everyone understands when I say this, don't just be yourself. It does of course not mean that you should try to imitate somebody else. It does not mean that it's not a natural flow in your life. Because there is. Even as a church. It's not like, yeah, it means you can become anything you want. That's not the gospel. Um, you know, and even in church, there are things that flow and there are things that don't flow, right? So if you come after this message, yeah, we, we, you know, Jeannie, we should have more prophetic Riverdance in this church. You are allowed to say, that's just not quite us. There are things that flow and there are things that don't flow. I am talking about this emotional opposition to the stuff that God has put over your life and in your heart and in your family. Maybe you are a parent and you think, well, you know, sharing the Bible at home with my kids, praying for my kids at night, prophesying over them, speaking faith to them, that would be nice. But that's just not me as a father. Yes, it is. Because when what God puts over you and the purpose you have in Him is bigger than what you feel like. So I'm saying, it's a very modern saying, don't just be yourself. That's uh, the opposite. Be yourself is very modern. If, I, if my title was be yourself, everybody would, you know, recognize that. But I'm just provoking you a little bit by saying, do, don't just be yourself. So I have three simple points to that. Number one is the idea to become someone you were not. It's very powerful. Because I just need to understand, to become some, someone you were not. This is in the very essence and the nature of the Christian gospel. Is actually to become something that you were not. It's there from the beginning. For example, you are 100% righteous, sanctified, cleansed, forgiven, accepted, embraced. Jesus, who was not a sinner, became sin so that we would, would become righteous. So Jesus became something he was not 
so that we would become what he is and we were not. So we are righteous. So in the very essence of the gospel, from the first moment you receive Christ, you become something that you through your skills and emotions and self-effort was not able to achieve. You know, we have become a whole lot of things that we were not. At the cross, when Jesus dies, he becomes a curse so that we would have his blessing. So we become, a, it's, it's in the very, the whole thinking of Christianity. It's in the very essence. essence. You know, being a Christian is not quite you. If you say, no, I'm a perfect Christian. It's re I'm really suited for being Christian. Well, then you've sort of misunderstood the whole thing. Because our faith starts with acknowledging that I'm coming short of his glory. So I accept I need his grace to become something that I could not do myself. So nobody's really suited for this. If you come to church today and you think, well, I'm not sure if I fit into this place. Neither do I. No one, no one does. You, you know what I mean? Now everyone does. I'll explain it to you. Everyone fits in because of Jesus. But no one fits in if it was just up to who we are. Two-minute illustration of how the gospel works. This is Christianity, just to build for the rest of the message. And especially if you don't know where you are in terms of faith and Christianity, this might be helpful. Now, the gospel is like, um, uh, well, the illustration is like, uh, you know, in a height jump competition. Is that the right name in track and field, height jump? Yeah, you know, <laughs> height jump. So... So let's say there's a qualification round and there's a final. And to, in the qualification round, you have to jump a certain height to get to the final. So they set this bar at a certain level and you need to jump over that. Now that's the concept of religion. The bar is at a certain level. Certain achievements, certain morality, certain things you need to do. And not just in religion, it's actually in humanism. In the secular thinking, this is very powerful. Well, if you are like this, then you're okay. If you, are, if you can present yourself and pretend to be tolerant, then you're a good person. But if not, you're out. You're disqualified. So religion and humanism has this idea, here's the, here, here's the bar. What that produces is that if you manage to, if you succeed... You, it ends in pride. You become prideful and self-righteous. It's a better word. If you fail, you feel condemned. So in the final, it's like, look at me. I managed. I really, you know, I, I, I met all the, the demands of qualifi qualification. Well, when you fail, you feel condemned and you are out. Now, that's a concept of religion. Now, grace comes along. And grace is not God, it's not Jesus coming and lowering the bar to make it easier. It's not like God comes and says, oh, all these rules, it's too much. The Old Testament, it's, it's just too many things. Let's make it a little bit easier. Let's make lesser rules. That's not the gospel. He did not make it easier so that more people would manage. He made it more difficult so no one would manage. It would be impossible. What do I mean? Well, the law, according to the law, now no one, in terms of your moral achievements, no one can, you know, even you have, if you are the most righteous, the most moral, the most devoted, the most spiritual person on planet Earth, let's say you jumped like two, two inches or, what would you, inches and feet? Do you understand? Centimeters and meters? Yeah, yeah, let's forget about all that. Uh, two, two inches. But the demand was like, 
100 inches. So if you were very moral, oh, I jumped two inches, look at me. No, you're disqualified. You're way under the bar. Then here's another person who grew up in chaos and just all kinds of bad decisions, bad friends, bad environment. And you look, oh, I only jumped one inch morally. It's like nothing. And you can say, that doesn't matter. No one jumped high. No one managed. We're all out. We're all disqualified. Everyone's disqualified. Isn't it great to have a guest speaker coming on Sunday morning to tell you you're disqualified? in terms of the kingdom then Jesus comes and he takes the starting number of every person of every individual so he takes on our suit and our name and our identity and guess what he does he jumps over he meets all the demands of the law what happens now we are in the final we are qualified and no one has to be ashamed how low I jumped and no one has to be prideful about how high you jumped because we're, we're all disqualified anyway. So that's why the house of God is actually a place nobody fits in, but we all fit in because of the one Jesus Christ. He managed everything for us because of him. You don't have to compare with anyone. That's in the essence of the gospel. You became something you were not. Think about the Paul the apostle. He was not a tip, I mean... Being, right, being the author of half the New Testament was just not quite him. He hated the church, persecuted the church. It was not quite him. But there is an enormous weight when God imparts something into you. It's powerful. God says to the not so eloquent Moses, you are a leader. God says to the crippled man, rise up and walk. God says to sinners like you and me, you are forgiven and righteous. And God says to childless Abraham, barren Abraham and Sarah, you are a father of many. And God says that to Abraham before he has kids. In Genesis 17, I love this because God says to Abraham, you will be the father of many nations, right? No longer will you be called Abraham, your name will be Abraham. And then comes, listen, for I have made you a father of many nations. God does not only send, I say, I will make you. He says, I have made you. So is this message about you can become anything you want? No. That's a motivational idea that will disappoint you. You can become anything you want. You can become everything God has made you. That you can become. And he has already, so he has already made you that. Your purpose and your destiny in God is already made. So you could say growing as a Christian it's like growing to become who you already are. That's why we should not just be ourselves. Not like trying to imitate anyone else, but because there is something over your life that is, has weight and is bigger than your feelings. And if you doubt that, I don't know about me, Thomas, if I have that. Well, just in case you wonder if God has put anything into your life, I put First Peter 4.10 just for your assurance, it says, as each one has received a gift. Now you are in that category, each one. If you say, oh, I don't like to be boxed. Well, you are in the box, each one. You belong to that box. And each, each one has received a gift, ministry to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one, that includes you. Some of that that God has imparted into you will flow with your personality and who you are and your natural skills and your giftings. That's a whole another message. But some of it will also be a total contrast and will contradict who you are. It will be a combination. You see, 
God's involvement in our lives is bigger than our personality. And when I prepared this, I was thinking about my own personality a little bit. I know he didn't come to church this morning to hear about Thomas's personality. But just maybe to encourage you, because in the natural, I have to say, I'm, I'm really not a big dreamer. I like to keep my expectations as low as possible so I won't be disappointed. Like this afternoon, Liverpool, Manchester City, I know we're going to lose. And I say that because then I won't be disappointed. That's my natural. I can, I can see why you didn't say amen to that because it's a terrible way of living. But that's my natural, you know. But you know, I honestly say, and I don't say, you know, this is just, I could spend more time explaining this, but the person God has called me to be is a person of faith. In the natural, I can have my Thomas pessimistic, you know, down-to-earth Norwegian kind of thinking. But you know what? I can't just be myself. Because God has called me to speak words of faith into people. And to speak of things that, you know, don't seem to be it. To speak of new buildings and places. To speak of a large church in Norway. Things that are not typically Norwegian. You know, because who gave human beings their mouth? You know, one more detail about my personality, just for your entertainment. I will, you know, you know, this might come as a surprise to you, but I don't really like attention. <laughs> you don't believe that. But you know, as a, pre, as a pastor, it took me years to get used to even compliments. It took me years when people went, oh, thank you for that message. That helped me. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Norwegian thing, but I, I, I felt bothered, you know. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Just acting weird. I, I, it took me years to get used to it. To really, yeah. They say that. Not because I'm, you know. It's just because God has imparted something. Um, and I, I, you know, to receive compliments. I don't like to be exposed. I don't like the risk of being embarrassed. Preaching in English in another country. I, I, I felt for a long time I can never do that because, you know, I'll say something wrong grammatically. Then I realized you all say grammatically wrong things also. <laughs> you don't care about grammars. <laughs> and certainly I'm like, no, that gives me confidence. <laughs> Nobody here knows grammar. <laughs> and besides, my, my English is better than Nor your Norwegian. So I'm fine. It's, it's all good. But you know, I don't like to risk. I don't like to be exposed. I was a guest speaker in a church. And in the afternoon, I have to go to the toilet. Uh, and it was this kind of visit that, you know, it, it, it takes time. <laughs> and in, it was a modern building. And, you know, there are sensors, light sensors. So it's like it's the light go on when you move. But if you sit too long, the lights go out. <laughs> and I sit in one of the booths. And, and, and I sit so long that the lights go out. And I'm in a church. And I'm panicking a little bit. Remember, I hate attention. So, so I know now I'm, I'm like in this situation where, where, you know, I try to, you sit in the toilet and you know the, the, there's movement sensors. So I try to get the lights back on. Has anyone ever done this? <laughs> okay, we'll have a prayer group on this side after the service for those people. So, but I realized the movement sensor is not in the booth, it's out in the room, right? So, so I understand now I have two options. Option number one is to open the door and to lean out and go like... <laughs> but you know, I hate attention. And I know, I know with my usual luck, someone will enter the room in just that moment. When I'm opening the door, and, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not finished, so I have to, I, I, can, I have to, 
And I, I just imagine someone coming in. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Thomas. I'm the guest speaker tonight. I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit. See you. In the... You know, so, so that's option number one. I know that cannot work. So option number two is to wait quietly. Because finally, eventually somebody will enter the room. And I choose option number two. But when the person comes into the room, I realize now there's another dilemma. Because now when he enters the room, everything is dark, right? So he goes in and the lights go on. But he would, of course, expect the room to be empty. Because it's dark. And now I realize he will think I'm nuts if, if it's all dark and I've been here for a long time. And if he's suddenly, so I wonder, should I say something? And I think, but what should I say? It's like he comes into a dark room and, and the lights go on and I go like, hello. <laughs> so so I, I understand I can't do that. What do I say? So I, I choose to, I just hope for the best and remain quiet. And it becomes weirder and weirder and weirder because now I've, I've, I've already crossed the line of no return. So the guy comes in and, and, and you know, the lights go on and I'm just totally quiet. And of course he tries to open my door. And now there's, now it's like a real, now, now it's like, do I say something now? No. Now I just shut up because this guy must be curious what kind of, you know, guy is in this booth. So now starts like, a, I have two options again. I can either be real quick, run out, be, because he goes in the booth beside, so I can run, be really quick and get out of here, or I can choose to wait. I chose to wait. The only problem is that was his choice also. So now starts like a waiting competition because he wants to know who I am. After 45 minutes, I felt some kind of brotherhood, you know? It was like a bonding there. It was amazing. Why did I tell this story? Yeah, I'll do anything not to get attention. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the story ends. Uh, we, we wait 45 minutes, seriously. And in the end, I hear he, his, him, he sur surrenders, gives up. And of course, he washes his hand and goes out. And I'm like, oh, fine. Oh, I'm going to survive. I, I'm never going back to this church ever again if I'm discovered. So when he's out, I go wash my hands. And then I open the door and he goes, huh, hello. <laughs> you know, it's, I was, so the whole point is, you know, th there's, there's a whole lot of things where, you know, I, I try anything. I, I would go that far not to get attention, not to be, you know, embarrassed, not to be exposed in any way. But in my job, every day is almost like opening your whole life to hundreds of people all the time. Now, I'm not saying that pastoring is like, you know, bleeding on people, but you have to be transparent all the time. But you know what? I'm so glad and happy that I don't just have to be myself. I can become everything that God made me to be. That's amazing. There's a way to that. Now quickly, I will do this very quick. Number two, I spent too much time on that story. The most authentic version of yourself. Just bear with me, a, couple more, a few more minutes. The title may be provocative, don't just be yourself. Because being yourself, it almost sounds like the modern religion. Our culture is very concerned about listening to what you feel. Now, I'm not just talking about identity or stuff like that, but just, you know, even in small things that we should always, the idea is to always be authentic about how you feel. Listen to what comes from inside. Listen, 
of course, from our inside is, of course, the Spirit of God also. I'm not talking about that, listening to God's voice. I'm talking about this emotional inside. That's the modern religion. Listen to your emotional inside. What I don't understand is why do we regard everything that comes from the inside as authentic? Why is that authentic? You see, the things that come from your inside, your emotional things, they have its root from something on the outside. Why should it be authentic if a lie starts somewhere and then goes and visits your heart? Does that make the lie more authentic? It's still a lie. It's from the outside. But it comes in your, you know, the, here's the illustration. You have frozen meat. Uh, I apologize to all vegetarians. This is frozen meat. Now, why is the meat frozen? And when you open it, if you cut it, cold, you know, cold air comes out from the inside of the meat. Is that because that's just who the, what the meat is? It's who he, are, who he is. No, it's because the meat has been in a cold container for a very long time. And the cold has penetrated the meat. This is how all Norwegians look in winter, by the way. <laughs> it has penetrated the meat. So now what comes from the inside of the meat is cold air. Now if you put the meat in the oven and you take it. Yeah, sorry again, all vegetarians. Just making you hungry for lunch. Now, if you put it in the oven and you take it out, what comes out of the inside of the meat now? Steam, hot air comes out because it's been in a warm environment for so long. Now, listen, with you, it's the same. You can take the picture away. It's, it's the same with you. What comes from your inside is based on what kind of environment or container you have been in. So if you've been in an environment of defeat, if you've been in an environment of rejection or just... Not, not just negative things, it could be anything. What comes from your inside might be culture, it might be upbringing, it might be different events, disappointments, influences. All that comes from the outside. But you've been in that environment so long, so now it's penetrated and now it feels authentic. You know? There's a lot of things that might come from your inside, even discouragement and inferiority, but it's only a result of voices and influences that came to you from the outside. And sometimes what we call authentic because it comes from the inside is simply tradition, habits, history, past. We've been in the same environment, so it, it affects us. What's the point? Here's the point. The most authentic version of you is not what comes from the inside, because that might, might have been based on a thousand different things. The most authentic version of you is what the Word of God says about you and what the Maker created you to be. That's the authentic you. So that's why I believe dwelling in the Word of God, dwelling in His presence, being in that environment long enough, eventually that will penetrate you and that will come from the inside and will be the authentic you. I'm not saying you should imitate anyone. I'm not saying you, you don't have your natural skills and abilities. Obviously, you listen to me and understand I have some personality traits that should be researched more. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm so glad the weight that God puts over us, that's the authentic me. And honestly, it's not like I have to force it. Oh, now I just have to be, I have to be what the, who, who God called me to be. I just have to realize and let go of some of my emotional opposition. Becoming a pastor, I have no idea how many times my emotional response was, oh, it's not me. 
God sent somebody else. It really was my response. Maybe next time I'll tell you more about that story. But it was, it was a journey. Um, but it was, it was not, you know, I was never happy in that moment. I was never confident saying, oh, that's just not me. That's just who I am. That's not, you know, the most confident was when I discovered this is what God has put over my life. This is the authentic me. I want to release that. I want to be everything God, you know, called me to be. The prodigal son, it says, Luke 15, 17, when he came to himself, it says. When he came to himself. Listen, in a modern way, he had been living very authentically. Living out every impulse, every idea, every emotion he's had for years. That was not him. Now he comes to himself. What happens when he comes to himself and he becomes real authentic? He turns to his father's house. That's what happens when you become authentic. You turn to God's house. You turn to his word. You turn to his purpose. Now the three and the last, the third and the last thing, and we are done in just one or two minutes here, is you become as you go because this is just one detail in the end Moses says I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant this is the detail what Moses is saying to God while they speak he says I still feel the same nothing has changed Moses hears God saying I have called you to be you know a deliverer of Israel and Moses says I'm, I'm, I still can't speak Maybe he even stuttered as he spoke. So he could hear himself and say, well, God, you're talking to me through a burning bush, but as you can, as you can hear God, nothing has changed. I still stutter. I'm still not eloquent. Nothing, this is what he says, nothing magical has happened. And it might be even with the word you've heard this morning, it might be that nothing magical has happened yet. If you actually are in a situation where you're emotional, Opposition, you know, that's just not me. Ah, that, that's it. I'm not that guy. I'm not that girl. If that's been your response or your excuse or your defense for a long time, even if you receive the word this morning, maybe it's not like something magical has happened. Do you know what God instead says to Moses? God knows that he does not suddenly feel, feel different. But listen what he says. Last verse, Exodus 4.12. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. You see, this is an amazing secret. The person God has made you into is something that is being revealed as you start to walk. It's not like first God makes this huge transformation you put on your superhero costume and then you can fly. No, you have to start walking. And then you'll see, wow, I can walk on the water. Then God, God says, I will help you. I will teach you. I will not give you like this 100% like insurance at the beginning. And then you can walk in confidence. No, you have to start going. And then you'll see, you will become everything I have made you into be. I'm not sure what that step might be for you this morning. To just start to walk in something that you know is the purpose of God. Something that maybe you've even wanted to do. Something that is on your heart. Maybe for someone, I'm not sure about this, but when I pray this morning, maybe there's someone in this church, you know that you have, you know, maybe not on a platform, but you know you have a gift to pray for sick people. Not all the time, not on a full-time paid ministry, but, but in everyday life, you like to pay for, pray for the sick. Not pay for the sick. Pray for the sick. 
And sometimes you want to have this courage to just do it simply, not dramatic, not with like we saw in the video in conference waving the jacket and that stuff. But you have this like, but you know, it's just not me. I'm not that guy. Oh, can I pray for you healing? I'm, I'm not that person. If you know you have the gift, it's time to just move and go. Don't make a big drama. Just start walking in it and stop being yourself and live in the gift that is over your life. Maybe for someone else, it's a completely different thing. But I'm sure that there is something for some people, maybe not for everyone, but for some people, there's something that your emotional opposition is just excusing with, ah, I just have to be myself. But you know, this morning I'm saying, there is tremendous power in what God has put over your life. That applies also to the people who are watching on the other places or other campuses or online. Hey, I suggest, let's stand to our feet for a moment. I'm gonna soon let um, Pastor Nathan do the invitation here and, and the closing. But there's one thing I would invite you to do as we all close our eyes. Number one, let me just ask, if you know what that is, if you want to start just to go in the things, maybe there's been some emotional opposition. Maybe this idea, oh, that's just not me. I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm not sure if that, you know, if that's you, could you just slip your hand up for a second if you are ready to go into everything God has made you into? In the name of Jesus, I see a lot of hands. I thank you, Father. There is such a weight in the anointing from heaven. There is such a weight in everything that is put on these people's lives. Oh, maybe you've compared to other people. What you're thinking about, you compare to some other person in the same role as you. And you think, oh, I would love to do the things he does or the things she does. Now forget about that. We are not talking about comparison or becoming like someone else. But you need to start walking in what God has put over you. And if you are not sure, just try. What are you afraid of? What do you have to lose? Just start walking because God says, I will be with you. I will help you. Someone here who's maybe even... Listen, as a guest speaker, I'm, not, I'm never as a guest speaker trying to get people on a platform. But I may, there might be one or two individuals. You know that you have a gift of communication. You know it's on you. But it's just that first step. And to do that seems like a big, 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 big mountain. And you're afraid maybe of embarrassing yourself. Now start walking in the destiny, in the things that flowing. And as you walk and you see that God is helping me along the way and it works then that is just God, what God has departed into you, what, he has, what you, he has made you into. In the name of Jesus, have courage. People, come on, it's all over you. Come on, be strong. Just go, start walking. Pray for those people. Start to share the gospel in that workplace. See what happens. God will be with you. You need to trust Him. And finally, as we, we're going to sing now and then Nathan is going to close, but I suggest in this room, since I came here in conference, I know that this whole church is a worshiping church. Amen. You love to worship and sing. I also noticed that as we are many people in a room, it's easy to hide a little bit in a crowd. And maybe you're saying, oh, lifting my hands, worshiping and glorifying God. It's nice and I like the atmosphere, but it's just not quite me. How about, just an idea. How about we fill this room for a minute or two? Where every, I know that you guys, you are going to be all into it as you always are. But if that's something that is unusual for you to praise Him, to lift your hands and really surrender in worship. Why don't we, everyone do this for a couple of minutes now. And we just lift the roof in this place. And you say, well, that's not quite me. I enjoy the atmosphere, but I'm not sure if that's quite me. Hey, let's everyone just lift our hands for a second. 
I say, well, you know, maybe it's not quite me, but I know what is me. It's to worship because the Bible says he 